Welcome to Viking Tech Talks. I'm Jim Lake. I'm here with Sean Kramer. Uh, in this edition, we're going to be talking about residential sprinklers. So I thought before we started uh, into, the, into the frequently asked questions, what we'd do is we'd kind of explore a little bit of, of uh, the difference between a, a residential sprinkler and a, a standard spray sprinkler. And we'll certainly some of these uh, questions that we have explore that a little bit further. But the, the, the big difference, Sean, between um, a residential sprinkler and a, a standard spray pendant or upright sprinkler is basically the spray pattern, right? I mean, a lot of it, a, a lot of the major difference, it's, it, there's also speed, of course, and the way it's listed, what it's listed to UL right. 1626 as opposed to UL 199 and all the criteria there. But if we take a look um, first at, at the... A standard spray pendant sprinkler, you see on, on the screen here that, that basically it's got a very conical shape spray pattern mm -hmm. um, and it, it's designed to protect those spaces, you know, that floor area directly below it, whatever's, whatever's burning directly below it. Right. Um, but if you move along to the, so the principal difference here, we, we change over to a, a residential sprinkler, we see a much higher spray pattern, a much higher, uh, what, why do we have such a, a high spray pattern like that. What are we trying to achieve there? Well, we're trying to keep it cooler up at the ceiling and trying to keep the temperatures cooler for uh, tenability to be able to escape in the event of a fire. Right. So a residential sprinkler is geared more towards life safety, mm -hmm. where even though your standard spray sprinkler is protecting lives as well, it's more geared towards property protection than a residential sprinkler right. where we're just focused on life safety. Okay, so with the with the standard spray pendant, we're, we're really focused on what's below. Is there a, is there a requirement then for when we're, when we're getting a listing for a, uh, under UL 1626, is there a requirement for how high up the wall that needs to, or down from the ceiling, that spray pattern needs to actually hit the wall? Yeah, with residential sprinklers, it's going to be 28 inches down from the ceiling, mm -hmm. regardless of what the coverage area is for right. the sprinkler. Okay. So once you move out into those 20 by 20 spray patterns for uh, some of the larger pendants and mm -hmm. the larger coverage areas, you still have to be able to wet the wall on the side of the room 28 inches down from the ceiling with mm -hmm. a residential, regardless of what the spray pattern is. Right, and that's based on the fact that pretty much in a residential occupancy, you're your, your fuel load is not always is not necessarily directly below the sprinkler like it might be in a in a, a standard uh, uh, you know kind of a light hazard occupancy, uh, but it's mostly out there on the perimeter. That's where you put furniture in a lot of residential kind of arrangements. So exactly. So life safety approach um, and um, and a higher spray pattern, higher wall wetting characteristic on the spray patterns is what differentiates the. Uh, residential sprinkler from the standard spray. All right, let's get into the questions here. Uh, first of all, Sean, the, the first question is uh, that the, this individual is protecting a room that has a dimension of about 13 and a half feet by 25 feet or a little bit more. Uh, does Viking even offer a sprinkler that can cover this kind of area? Yeah, we offer a sidewall sprinkler, our VK460 as shown behind us. Mm -hmm. that has a coverage area of up to 14 by 26 feet. So when you're looking at a, a pendant sprinkler, the maximum coverage area you can have is 20 feet by 20 feet sure. because you're right in the middle of the coverage area. Mm -hmm. But with sidewall sprinklers, as long as you don't exceed that 400 maximum square feet coverage mm -hmm. area of the sprinkler, you can take the width and the throw and adjust them as needed to get a listing for not necessarily both 
distances in the same yeah. direction. Okay. So with this one, it has a 14 by 26. It would be able to protect that area. There's also many other listings for the VK460 as well, and it has very low flows and pressures for all its different coverage areas. So this can go This can flow 26 feet. This can can spray 26 feet out. Let's take a look. Let's go into the into the. Oh, we're already there. Uh, we're going to go into the into the flow lab here. I'm going to get out of the way for a second. Look at how far away this thing can flow. Let's run that again, Taylor. There it is again. So this is actually flowing out 26 feet. We're, we're not getting wet at all, but it's flowing out about 26 feet from the wall. Is that right, Sean? Yep, yep. That's exactly what it's doing there. That's, that's a lot of area to cover on a, uh, uh, for a sprinkler, but, but we, the, the answer to the question, the answer to the first one is yes, it's the VK460, and it can cover out, to, uh, it can cover this 13 by, uh, 13 and a half by 25 uh, foot area. All right, so next question then. Well, let's come out of the flow lab. And we'll dry off a little bit. And we're going to get into the uh, second question. I'm laying out a design for the residential project, for a residential project that is being designed in accordance with NFPA 13 now. So just remember, just because you're using residential sprinklers doesn't, you know, doesn't eliminate NFPA 13. You can certainly design within that. Can I use the flows, though, the flows and pressures shown on the data sheet to, uh, uh, for, the, for the approval charts? Can I use those? Uh, as opposed to NFPA 13, or which, I guess the question is, which governs in this case? Well, when we're looking at the approval charts for a residential sprinkler on our technical data sheets, mm -hmm. what we show is a density of 0 .05 gallons per minute per square foot. Right. So that's applicable to a 13D, 13R application. Mm -hmm. Once we get into 13, now we have to compare the two. So 13, you have your 0.1 density, mm -hmm. and then on the approval charts, we have the 0.05 density. Mm -hmm. However, when we look at it, we got to use the more stringent of the two. And you might think to yourself, well, 0.1 is always going to be more stringent than 0.05. Sure, sure. But what we have to really look at is, for example, let's say we have a 18-foot by 18-foot coverage area. Mm -hmm. You go to the approval chart, and as long as one direction's 18 feet with a pendant sprinkler, you have to go up to the 18 by 18 on the approval chart. Sure. Now, when you look at it to compare with the 0.1 density, let's say in one direction we're covering 13 feet, mm -hmm. and in the other direction we're covering 17 feet 6 inches. With the 0.1 density, what you would do is you would multiply the 13 by the 17.5, mm -hmm. then multiply it by 0.1 to get your flow. To get your flows, sure. And then when you go back to the approval chart, it's still based on a 0.05, but you have to go up to the 18 by 18 in I that see. example mm -hmm. and, and take the flow there. Okay. So whichever flow is more stringent, mm -hmm. you're going to apply in this situation. Okay. Now, most of the time it is going to be the 0.1 density, but sure. There are some odd-shaped areas out there where I have seen it where it's actually the approval chart is going to be more demanding right. than using the 0.1 density at the actual coverage area. Okay, so this and this would only apply if we were using a 13, if we were actually designing in accordance with 13, so 13R doesn't, wouldn't have anything that would require right. that comparison. Yeah, you can use okay. the approval chart with the 0.05 density if it's uh, 13R or 13P. Okay. All right, great. All right, so next question then. Uh, Sean, why does Viking offer so many different K factors for residential sprinklers? Well, we offer a wide variety of different K factors because what we just uh, discussed in the previous question where you have your 13D, 
your 13R and your 13 applications where yep. you could be looking at a 0.05 density or a 0.1 density. So you start with the smaller K factors, the 3.0, the 4.0 mm-hmm. K factors. Mm-hmm. That's more geared towards your 13D applications, 13R applications. Once we start to get into the larger K factors, our 5.8s and so on, now we're starting to get into the NFPA 13 applications where you could require that 0.1 density Mm -hmm. for that type of situation. So having this large variety of different K factors allows you to be able to take advantage of your different flow requirements based upon the standard that's being applied. Okay. So everything, everything changes a little bit as we go from K-factor to K-factor, uh, but still it's 1626 that you're, you're being listed as a residential sprinkler. Uh, okay. That's so, correct. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's, uh, let's ask the next question. This one comes up quite often, uh, whether we're teaching seminars or uh, discussions regarding uh, what is a residential sprinkler and, and, and a quick response sprinkler. So uh, sometimes people get the, 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 the terminology a little bit uh, off, or they refer to a uh, a residential as a quick response resident. So let let's look at the let, the question: Is there such a sprinkler as a quick response residential sprinkler? Let's let's just explore these this terminology of quick response and and fast response for a sec. Yeah, sometimes uh, there can be confusion with that because mm-hmm. NFPA defines a quick response sprinkler as a sprinkler with a fast response element that's listed or approved as quick response. That's just a spray sprinkler though, right? It's that's a, it's correct. A, it's a spray sprinkler. That's your standard right. spray sprinkler mm-hmm. with a fast response element right. that goes through your commercial testing of UL199 mm-hmm. and has to pass certain requirements in order to get that quick response listing. Sure. Now where the confusion comes in is if you look at a residential sprinkler, mm-hmm. it has a fast response element in it. Right. So all quick response sprinklers have a fast response element but they're tested to UL1626, mm-hmm. which for the residential standard, there's no such thing as a quick response sprinkler. Mm-hmm. So even though they have a fast response element in them, there's no term as quick response for a residential sprinkler. Mm-hmm. So that's a commercial term uh, as defined in NFPA 13 and tested as per UL199 in this case using uh, UL as the example for the testing standard. So if I, I'm getting this right, the fast response terminology then refers to the element as opposed to quick response, which refers to a, a type of a type of sprinkler. Is that is that clear? Is that right? That's absolutely correct. It, it, all quick response sprinklers will have a fast response element right. in them. Mm-hmm. However, not all fast response elements are quick response sprinklers. Got it. All right. Okay, next question. Uh, is it possible to use an intermediate temperature rated residential sprinkler in an area that may not exceed an ambient temperature of 100 degrees? So why would you choose something like that? Why would you choose something of the intermediate temperature when you know you're not going to, or you never anticipate going over 100 degrees Fahrenheit in the, in the space? Why would you even choose one? Well, first off, uh, NFPA, whether it's NFPA 13D, mm-hmm. uh, NFPA 13R, or NFPA 13, mm-hmm. 
allows for the use of ordinary or intermediate temperatures throughout a building. Sure. Once we get into the higher temperatures, now you have to have a specific reason to go up to those higher temperatures, mm -hmm. but you don't have to with ordinary or intermediate. So if you ever have a situation where you could possibly exceed 100 degrees ambient temperature, mm -hmm. it, it's just a better practice to go with an intermediate temperature rated sprinkler because then you don't have to worry about it. Right. A couple examples where you could possibly see that would be um, down south in an apartment building mm -hmm. where you have an unoccupied apartment and you don't have necessarily conditioned space throughout the summer. Mm -hmm. It could possibly exceed 100 degrees in that type of environment. Even up here in Michigan, uh, just last week, for example, we had uh, yeah. 90, 93, 95 degree days sure. going on here up sure. north. Mm -hmm. So if you think about an unconditioned apartment that doesn't have your uh, AC on because mm -hmm. you know nobody's in the apartment at the time, sure. it, it could easily exceed 100 degrees as well. So that's one instance, anytime you could see that. Uh, another good example and one that we get some calls on are hotels when they're turning up the temperatures to take care of bed bugs. I mean, I know that's something you never want to think about when yeah, you're you thinking about going to a hotel, but yeah. it does happen. And what they do is they'll increase the temperature in the rooms mm -hmm. up to 130 degrees, up to 140 degrees. Sure. And a lot of the times what will be installed will be an ordinary temperature rated sprinkler mm -hmm. because in that situation you think it's a conditioned space, you don't have to worry about exceeding 100 degrees. Mm -hmm. Now when uh, this happens and somebody comes in and they have to turn up the temperature, yeah. It, it tends to be an issue because you have those ordinary temperature sprinklers sure. that can't exceed the 100 degrees. Mm -hmm. So just in that application, by installing the intermediate temperature sprinklers, you would be able to take care of that situation and have no concern about the 130 degrees that they might be raising the temperature to in that situation. Okay. All righty. Uh, I'm working on an NFPA 13D project now, this, right, this questioner asks. And the construction is two by four walls. Uh, the customer wants a flat plate concealed sidewall sprinkler installed. Is this even an option that Viking offers? Yeah, uh, as you can see playing behind us in the animation here, uh, what we have is our VK480 sidewall sprinkler. It's a 4.0K factor, and it's designed to fit in a two by four wall. So most uh, sidewall sprinklers would not be able to fit in that small of a wall due to their design. Mm -hmm. So we launched the VK480 with a 4.0K factor, which would work great for this application in a 13D installation. Mm -hmm. We also offer our VK490, which is a 5.8K factor. So if you had two by four construction and you wanted to install residential in a 13 application, mm -hmm. where you're looking at that 0.1 density, we also have an offering for that to be able to fit in the 2x4 construction. Okay. So both the VK480 at a 4.0K factor and the VK490 at a 5.8K factor would allow you for that type of installation in that environment. All right, so we're watching the whole thing go installed in a, into a 2x4 uh, constructed wall, cutting it out, finishing it off, Look at that. That's a beautiful thing. And as you'll see, once the cover plate's put on, you have your flat plate concealed sidewall, and uh, you can get them custom color painted, whatever you would want for the, the home that it's going to be installed in. For the decor. Great. 
Okay, we're going to move on then to uh, uh, question number seven. Uh, this person needs to protect a hotel room that is 22 feet in length uh, after the bathroom and entryway. Uh, says he, he would need to use two pendant sprinklers for each room, is there, uh, but is it possible, is there a possible option to protect 15 and a half by 22 air, foot area with one sprinkler? Kind of goes back to a previous question we had, but w what can we cover here? Yeah, it's a, it's a different coverage area, and it actually would be covered by the 460 as well mm -hmm. with one of its different options other than the 14 by 26 sure. to be able to cover this area. And the question, uh, what they're asking with the, with the pendants is, yeah, they would need two because 20 by 20 is the maximum coverage area you can sure. get for your 400 square feet. Mm -hmm. So you're never able to exceed that with a pendant sprinkler. However, with the sidewall, as I uh, had explained earlier, you're able to manipulate the, the width and the throw to be able to get different coverage areas for the width and the throw area there. Mm -hmm. So we would have a sidewall sprinkler that's available for that. But I want to go back to the start of this person's question here with the entryway in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. This brings us back to our question about the K-factors and why we have sure. so many K-factors. Mm -hmm. In this example, if you had a hotel and you had to have a, a sprinkler in the entryway and a sprinkler in the bathroom, mm -hmm. and then you have the sidewall protecting the, the bulk of the room, mm -hmm. well, that sidewall is going to drive your calculations and your flow and your required pressure. Sure. So in the entryway in the bathroom, if you went with, say, a 3.0 K-factor pendant sprinkler because you're not covering a large area, it helps you to reduce the overall flow of your calculations based upon the pressure that's going to be required out of that sidewall that's protecting a much larger area. So that's another reason why we offer so many different K-factors as you can uh, utilize the different sizes to be able to get the best hydraulic calculations you can for your system. Great. Uh, next question then. I'm protecting a living room in, in this case that has a sloped ceiling, but when looking at our technical data sheets, uh, there is not any mention in, with regard to slope ceiling listings for residential sprinklers. Can they be installed on slope ceilings? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, in the past, all us manufacturers had uh, slope ceiling listings for our residential sprinklers. Mm -hmm. And then it started in 2010 and continued on through 2013 editions where we stopped having the listings on our data pages and it was actually incorporated right into the standards. Mm -hmm. So if you go into uh, NFPA 13D, uh, NFPA 13R, and 13D it's going to be in Chapter 10, and 13R is going to be in Chapter 7, and even in NFPA 13, if you go into the standards, you'll see where it gives you design criteria based upon slope ceilings. Mm -hmm. So no longer is it a listing requirement, you have up to an 8 by 12 slope where you're mm -hmm. able to uh, install it as per the standard on a slope ceiling mm -hmm. without requiring a listing for that situation. Okay. So if you look at our older technical data sheets, you'll see some approval charts with listing criteria for slope ceilings, but if you look at our current data sheets, you won't see that anymore because now it's part of the standard. So let's let's talk a little bit about slope ceilings and why are, why are slope ceilings in, as, as we get steeper? Because the next question kind of goes there too. What's the concern with a slope ceiling? You know, getting getting too steep. What effect does that have? Why why do we why do we pay such close attention to it? 
Well, when you look at the, the way that the heat's going to travel up, mm -hmm. you have to travel up along the slope. So your sprinkler is going to be at the high point of the slope, discharging downward mm -hmm. along the slope because the heat's going to collect at the top, sure. activate the sprinkler, and then you want to make sure, as per the standard, that you have your deflector aligned parallel with the slope of the ceiling as well, okay, or so the spray pattern to spray down and protect the floor area. All right, so we're, we're, we're concerned, number one, about heat, the, about the heat plume and the activation of the sprinkler. Correct. And the second thing we're concerned about is making sure that the spray pattern isn't obstructed by hit, actually hitting the ceiling before it gets down to the, before it gets down to the fire ceiling. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yep. All right, so that being said, next question is, what if the slope of my ceiling is greater than 8 and 12? Um, what, what do I do now? Yeah, that's a good question because uh, even when there are listings for residential sprinklers, currently there's no residential sprinkler that's listed for greater than an 8 by 12 slope ceiling. Mm -hmm. So in this situation, it, it comes up to the authority having jurisdiction to make a determination as to how they would accept this to be installed beyond the listing of the sprinkler and beyond the standard. And this is actually uh, spelled out in the standard saying that it is up to the authority having jurisdiction as to what the requirements would be. Now, a portion in the annex uh, of this section as well as industry practice in the past has typically been that in this situation you would calculate more sprinklers. So for example, if you had a 13D design where you typically are calculating two sprinklers, um, a lot of uh, HJs would have you bump up to three sprinklers for that calculation, sure. or four for a 13R, you would go up to five. Mm -hmm. Some HJs in certain situations would have you increase the pressure. Okay. So you're increasing the flow maybe up to the next coverage area to be able to account for this. But at the end of the day, it's up to the authority having jurisdiction to make that determination mm -hmm. as to how you would protect it because it's outside of the listings of any residential sprinklers. Okay. All right, final question then, and, and we're going to kind of explore this a little bit, a little bit further. It, it, one of the, in, in downtown areas, things like that, uh, one of the great ways of creating residential space is taking old factories or old uh, uh, industrial lofts uh, uh, properties, converting them into very stylish uh, residential occupancies. The only problem with that is, is that they don't really look like um, our, your standard uh, home or apartment where we've got the finished walls and you've got the finished ceilings and you can hide all the piping and you can hide all the sprinklers behind concealer plates and things like that. So we, we've got this great, um, you know, beautiful space, but nowhere to hide the sprinkler, you know, with a requirement, by the way, that it, because it's residential, now it's required to have sprinklers. Uh, it's got this industrial type of, it may have an industrial type of system already in it, but now we've converted it from an, an occupancy that was being protected as an NFPA 13 system, uh, but it was also light hazard, ordinary, whatever. And now it's got to turn into a, we, it's a residential occupancy, so now it needs residential type sprinklers. So I've got this beam ceiling, I've got all these other, you know, other challenges. Um, I want to maintain the integrity and kind of the, 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 the nice look of it. Um, but I've got, the only thing that's being offered really are these, are, are kind of concealed sprinklers and sprinklers that are kind of hiding behind 
construction and stuff. It, it, do we, uh, the question is, does Viking res offer a residential upright sprinkler uh, that can protect, that could be used in a beam ceiling approach like this. If I've, if I've already got, kind of got my piping in there, do I have something that can, can protect that space? Yeah, we offer our VK467 4.9K factor residential mm -hmm. upright sprinkler. Sure. And we were just talking about how listings kind of went away for residential sprinklers. Mm -hmm. Well, that's in most situations, but with this sprinkler, we have a special beam listing for the VK467 because of what you just described. This is the, that's the type of area that the sprinkler would so, commonly be in, installed in. So what we're looking at here then is, a, is an, a, an installation that goes underneath the beams? That's correct. So uh, you would install it and you can have up to 14 inch deep beams with the sprinkler installed right below the beams. Okay. So as we can see here, we have the sprinkler installed in a beam ceiling application and you have the deflector a specified distance down below the beams okay. up to a 14 inch depth on the beams. So that's a very common application that you could see the sprinkler being installed in. And in this case, since it's going to be installed exposed below the beams, we're looking right. at using steel piping for the situation right. below the beams. So, so the difference being here, I mean, it still has to be 1626, right? I mean, we're still we're yep. still testing it to that, but it's not a flat, smooth ceiling. It's not a, a you know, it's not your kind of clean, neat residential ceiling or wall that we're installing it. This is a, this is really a a, a true beam ceiling that. It, it's dropped down quite a, quite a ways below the, the, the ceiling line, and we're still meeting all of the requirements for spray pattern, for response time, for everything else that you find in 1626. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And if you go to the technical data sheet, depending upon the size of the room where the mm -hmm. beams are installed, there's different advantages for the calculations in which uh, you can use for the calculations on the VK467 mm -hmm. in the beam ceiling application. Great. So depending upon the size and the depth of the beams and the size of the room, so on, you have different requirements for how you would go about calculating it. Great. Well, thanks for, thanks for exploring residential sprinklers uh, with us in this edition of Tech Talks. Uh, I'm Jim Lake uh, with Sean Kramer. Uh, Sean, what's those technical, if you have any other questions, what's those technical services uh, contacts? You can call our toll-free number at 877-384-5464 or email us at tech, T-E-C-H, S-V-C-S, at vikingcorp.com. Great. Thanks a lot. So keep those questions coming. We'll help you in any way we can in tech services. We'll get you an, we'll get you an immediate answer. Uh, and maybe even read yours on the Tech Talks. So thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you again on another Tech Talk edition.